0: I feel an expansion and a confirmation that it's all out there. So, in a way, you are—you do expand consciousness. That's that's your role in life, as you're doing that with people. So, I have to say that, and I love that, and I thank you very much. Yes. I think the world is a better place for your being in it.
1: Try this baby. Out for science. You are welcome. To take a seat at the table where we use a new lens where humanity are stakeholders different distinctions encouraged intention starts from a no judgment zone a certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation
2: welcome everyone to the decision table So I've really enjoyed having a few days of quiet, not having to do the decision table, but I'm excited because we've got someone on the decision table today that I reckon we're going to have a pretty good conversation about anything and everything. Wendy, so good to have you here. I'm excited about our conversation because I know we've had other conversations and they went into very interesting directions. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, one of the, and particularly because this month, the lens we're using. So we don't necessarily have to have certain questions we ask or or any agendas that we're going down, but we do use lenses here on the decision table. And this month, the lens is around humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And it's kind of like the pinnacle to everything that I talk about and are about, because I think there's this, you know, in society right now, one of our biggest issues is that we're forgetting that, number one, we should be going back to humans and humanity. And what does that really look like? When I say that, what does that conjure up in your
0: brain? Where do you go with that? that we should be going back to humanity. Yeah. Yes, basically. Tell me more about that. Well, that's a huge
2: statement. I Um, know. That's why I want us to talk about it.
0: (laughs) I do do have quite a bigger picture thinking, like I Mm. I can do both. But do you want to know where humanity is now? Like We bring it back to humanity at this time. Sort of our starting point. Yeah. Where where we're up to at this time. Is that right? Well, where, where do you think we're up to? Where do I perceive we're up to at this time? Well, I think I think we've lost our way to a degree. I think we've we're on it. But then I had a very interesting conversation with a man who'd studied in India for many years and I expressed my lament, if that's the right word, at where humanity was up to. And he said to me, and he said in all his study in India with, the, with the, the sages was that it's okay, he said, because the world is still very much in its narcissistic phase, that all of us are narcissistic and that everything would be okay. <laughs> and that was more or less what he said. So I straight away went to this long line of continuum that we're, as we're all narcissistic, and we're all thinking, oh, but I need that. And it, and I, I'm an ocean girl, so because mm. I grew up around the ocean and I think I'm returning to the ocean as well as I get older. But I, I remember when fish oil came in and I remember yeah. looking up there from my island, small island in Bass Strait context, and, And I noticed that, you know, there were more and more bottles of fish oil on the shelves in shops. And Mm. you'd say to people, oh, and people would say, you're taking fish oil. And you'd think, where is all this fish oil coming from? You know, and what is it? And I learned not even to trust that there was fish oil in those fish oil bottles, but that that food was food that people took because they now believed that it was going to contribute to their health but it had a lot to do with education and how people receive the messages for what we need. And we all do that, but it appeals to our narcissistic, and I don't mean that in an insulting way because I am an art therapist and an artist and I have worked for years with people and I know where the pendulum swings extra wide, but it's mm. whether you know where you're going with it. We all know that we're narcissistic T- we have narcissistic traits I should say do
2: we though Do we or is this something that you're bringing to our awareness today?
0: Maybe it is but and maybe it's not the right term. Maybe mm. the narcissism is a um, it's a deficit term rather than maybe there's another term that we could come up with that So, so let'
2: let's pull that apart because what is it yeah. about that that you think or you relate it to us?
0: I think it's a a part of our well you know I don't want to sound too vague but I think for some people but I think you do have a really good audience is that I think it's our consciousness how conscious are we of what Mm. is going on and at every age and stage we have a level of consciousness that's coming and then there's a level of unconsciousness that remains there and every stage of life is uh, has got its awakenings and you know if we get through from stage one two and three and we get through to stage four and five but we haven't done some earlier then that makes it difficult but then that's taking the conversation somewhere else i'm just saying that to demonstrate that the levels of unconsciousness that we have through our life i hope that you know so right. tell,
2: tell me more about the levels of consciousness that we have in life. So if we are at a starting point, because that's where we began with humanity going, wh- what is our starting point? Are we as humanity, is it our problem that you see that we are in all these different stages and we're not relating in that or we are stuck at stage one? Like what what do you mean by that? No. I'd love to well, know we more.
0: Grow we grow up. We grow we come mm. into the world and I think we often come in with a lot more, but we but it's not doesn't have words, if you like. Right. We'll leave it in that basket. Then we grow up into the world through our different stages. We we're growing up and into the world. And mm. in an ideal world or a world where we were in that where where our consciousness could just flow and we didn't have yeah. the push pull push pull that we have, then we would we instead of us growing up to use nature yeah. the way we mm-hmm. do, we would be part of it and become more and I think we come here to become I've got a book that I found mm-hmm. in a bag that I'd bought years ago and I hadn't mm-hmm. read and I it in the front cover and and I I went to put that bag somewhere and and I thought I'd better check that there's something in the front and here was this book and it was called Becoming Animal and I thought oh my god I remember being so excited to read that book and I've only just started it now and it is very interesting because it's kind of we've been taken off to so many different places through religion and through all sorts of different things you know media and politicians mm. and and everything else and you know that becoming animal is becoming a part of nature rather than seeing nature as something that you just use and consume but you are part of it so that's the subtle difference and to me that's where our health is and mm. that's where our consciousness but that's where we arrive as much as we can in this existence of being fully conscious I think is when we are, when we become part of, not the benefactor of or the everything else. So so
2: even if you think of that, the benefactor of or we're using, we're not consciously thinking, you know, intentionally being a part of rather than it's a use and we need this and it's a want or whatever. Bring that right into the concept around the Indigenous. I know you do a lot of Indigenous work and I would have to think that this kind of bridges into that conversation.
0: It does. It does very, very much so. Like there's things in Indigenous cultures that, you know, I'm always very careful what I say because you mustn't talk as though you know too much and you mustn't talk. Like that. that's just the unspoken stuff that I've picked up because they're still working out, you know, here I think they are still a lot. They're getting there. They're, they're quite amazing really. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're working out who they are. Like if you've played some of those games where they, you know, you choose, You you take a stone and if it's a blue one, then you're the invaders and if it's a red one then you're the indigenous person it can happen mm-hmm. anywhere and how once you once you are begun to be manipulated in whatever form you can never get back to the family and to the, the culture you had before entirely so those that have been taken over and rearranged and excommunicated those that were in opposition they have to find a, a new way back. You know, they have to find another way back and try to re- reconstruct from what was the crumbs that were left. Often, can I think-
2: can they can they see a new way back? Is there a way back? Is are we any closer to to being able to create
0: that pathway? I don't think that. Like it's funny because I did actually I did offer art at place called J Block in Launceston, which was like years eleven and twelve, which was yeah. like a drop center for at the Aboriginal youth. And I remember mm. I said, oh, I'll only do this if you put in a silk screen table so that you know just a big table with cloth and I could run cloth on it and instead of saying, Here's a piece of A four or A three uh, art paper mm. um, just ran the cloth and then you had the paints and then you kind of slapped some on and they'd all come and do it, you see. And that's always been one of my things that I've loved to push the boundaries. And the headmaster came at the end of the year and he said, look, I want you to be here next year and I want you to put together a body of work with these kids and we'll tour it around Tasmania. We might even take it further, right? Wow. he went back to his office and I started talking to the kids and do you know what they said (laughs) we don't want to do Aboriginal art we want to do our art if we want to call it Aboriginal art we will call it Aboriginal art but we don't want to do that and i found that so interesting so it didn't actually happen yeah. i mean i think he so, so sorry I, I just want to push
2: on that one because is that meaning then that the gap between where we need to be and the gap where we are is getting wider because we're not willing to see that there's other pathways to get there uh,
0: no i think i think they're coming to terms like the older people have got But are they because
2: I think that's a brilliant idea. We know that's a brilliant idea. You're engaging yeah. in a way that is so close to the indigenous, like, you know, you think of the in the caves. They didn't have A4 paper there. They got the paint and they did whatever. You know, wherever, on the face, whatever it is. Like it it wasn't that you got out the paper. We are we've got to bridge this gap between what we know or have And in all words, manipulated, right, and bridge that gap between that to maybe there's other ways in which we can bring pathways that we're never going to get back to the original of what it's like, but we can go this is a beautiful way to combine it so that we can all keep moving forward.
0: I actually think, I don't know, I've not said this before and I don't want to sound like I walk around being angry because I don't, It's okay. Um,
2: By the way, there's no judgment zone on this decision table because this is part of us evolving, right? Is having these conversations.
0: That's right. Yes, no, no, I agree. But like, I have to admit, and some of my family would, not Michelle, I don't think, but some of my family would be worried because they work closely with politicians. Right. But they're in their own way, they're doing their own thing, and I have great hope that they you know we're all awakeners of some kind and but but i feel you know this covid thing and everything else people the worst thing that can happen to mankind is to become more lemming like you know Mm. to kind of do you know what i mean like because even that we apply to the government for funding some government body for funding the government decides and Years ago, I worked at Ashley, which was a youth detention where I had a, I had an art room. They rang me up and said, would you come back after I did my teaching prep there? And they gave me this old dairy, which I took all the bars off the window and had all the walls painted lovely colours, lovely soft colours. And we put in a fire. And whenever they came there, they weren't in jail. Mm. And we just had the best time. We just had the best time. And I was there for about seven years and I I set up so they could continue their education because I understood that they came back, like Mm. they'd come there for two weeks or six weeks and then they'd go and then they'd be back in a few days or in a week or two because it was often the safest place for them. And Mm. after a few years I thought, something has to change. You know, I went to the school's board and I got it. I had these long rolls. They could come in and I'd say, right, where are you up to? And then in those days, there were one one subject was divided into four units. So they could slowly work through and then they'd, they'd actually get something in the mail saying they'd achieved that, which mm. was just amazing. And in the end, oh, one night I woke up and I had this whole, I drew this big map of how that institution could be turned into a developmental institution. How schools could, the edu- the, the university could, any teachers that were happy to go there could go there for their pracs and and how, you know, the kids didn't have to be in the jail. They would be rewarded for taking responsibility for their own health, their own development. Right? Yeah but change the focus rather than being a penal place. It was that it could have, it would have to have one part somewhere that would be far less the focus and the threat and everything else. But mm. if you're engaged in development, then your life could be quite pleasant. In fact, you could be achieving things. And mm. other countries like Finland, they don't put people, they don't put many, very, very few of their young people go to in, into, are incarcerated instead they put someone with them and they go to work and they mm. they, do, they do a traineeship or something and then if the child can't go or the young person can't go that staff person goes and does the job so the employer isn't disadvantaged so there's there's all those kind of things so i did this big map and i took mm. it in to the manager and i showed him and he said you need to go in and show the big boss that so i made an appointment and i went into town mm. and this person went and made a copy of it, (laughs) put it in his drawer. And then I went back and the boss said, they want to see you down in Hobart. I'm going to take you down to see the politician. So I went down and... Polit- it was just before an election. So I went down there and this politician, I went in and showed him the map and he was quite excited and he took a copy of it too. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and then we went back and I remember one day he, a couple of weeks later he came up and visited and I remember when I walked into the room he turned around like this and he looked and you could see. But I realised that all they were doing was trying to work out how that would help them get in next time. yeah. So like three weeks later I went into the manager's office and I said to him, so is my map in the left drawer or the right drawer? <laughs> and he said, oh, Wendy, he said, I think it's in the left drawer now because the, the, the election's <laughs> over. And I said, oh, well, here's my resignation. So, And I yeah. left, you see, but not before I'd done an exhibition in town called A Society of Heads, which was these kids had made all these clay heads which were put on plinths and that was put on in the same place that Mm -hmm. the recognised artists put on their exhibitions in Monceston. And I loved that because there there were a couple of instances where there would be a social worker and the kids used to get angry when they'd seen the social workers because I don't Mm -hmm. think they felt they were there to help them. Mm -hmm. They were there to tick all the boxes and do all that stuff. And, you know, one boy said to me, she looked at me after she looked at my head like she was seeing me for the first time. Hmm. You see? Interesting. So, Interesting. I mean, and so why,
2: what do you, why do you think she was seeing you for the first time? Like what was it about that?
0: Because her consciousness would, uh, yeah. at that time, the development of her consciousness at that time would only let her see What society had structured, and here he was in that context. And this head was wild, you know, Mm. it had wool hair, it had, and it was kind of like a bloke that if you went into the pub, you'd want to have a drink with him. Yeah, wow. Mm. It didn't look like him, but. Now he could be related to that. So there was another layer of consciousness that could come through. Yeah, which, of course,
2: comes around, and I talk about awareness. Like I think, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but when we do there's a responsibility. And I think that there's this whole thing of we go around with a lot of blinders on our on our eyes. And whether that's intentional or not, conscious or not, I think that it happens a lot if you aren't intentional with or consciously week. Okay going, you know, creating some of these things that create awareness. So in in the way that I talk about that, I talk about the muscle of human intelligence. And I'm always saying we need to exercise that muscle. And the reason is that, you know, that for me, human intelligence is the data in which we have within us. And that can come from how we see things, hear things, experience things, our DNA. There's so many different ways in which we have data with us. What we do with that data is our responsibility and a decision that we can make on a daily basis, right? And I think that when you talk about all of this and the the fact that that person now can see, I think there's this problem where we are in a society where our focus is only on things that we have put priority on. So is it in the left drawer or the right drawer? And, and I wonder how we can or, uh, what we need to start doing to shift that and go, I know it's not been the focus before, but what if it became the focus now? And I think that that actually is there's quite a, a distance between mm-hmm. that because as humans, we don't like change. And, you know, uh, and especially when it's uncertain or it's not giving the benefit that society has necessarily put on it, the value.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I do totally agree with it. But if people, I don't know. See, I'm writing a book about seaweed and I'm going Mm -hmm. to King Island, my home, and I think every week I'm always doing so. I've just been out and ironed some papers between some seaweeds. I'm doing some cyanotype Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking it's an archetype of mine, seaweed, because since I was a little girl on King Island, actually Mm -hmm. that's really very important conversation with you, thank you, because as a child, I went on the trading vessel my father with a Polish gentleman as a cargo vessel between King Island, Melbourne and Tasmania and when the boat arrived, we were all invited to go on it for a day's outing. We went up between these two islands off the north of King Island and right. I just love being on the boat. I remember everything about it. And I looked down into the water between these two islands and I saw this seaweed wishing mm-hmm. in the water, and the colours were just amazing. And so, and I made this thought then, and I would have been about nine, if not younger. And I made this idea that when I grew up, I was going to come and live on one of those islands, the one that didn't have snakes, and I was going to have a flock of sheep and a helicopter in case a snake came across (laughs) and I was going to weave the wool and I was going to dye it with seaweed and it's so interesting I mean what was it about that seaweed that that to this day I have always noticed the seaweed I've always understood I have a language with seaweed and going back to do an exhibition on King Island next year and run a workshop and people come, I've been once already, people mm-hmm. come, they're so interested in it, but I hadn't wanted to do it earlier because the consciousness of the world, mm-hmm. like when you look at fish oil and you see, I've always worried about yeah. what, will, what will the humans do if mm-hmm. they suddenly fall in love with seaweed? They'll ruin it, <laughs> you know, there was yeah. that, they'll overdo it and they're already talking about filling the oceans with seaweed farms. You know, yeah. I mean, they, you don't hear people saying, "But well, there's only so many minerals in the water." Or, you know, how is that going to work? But it's always this more, more, more stuff that mm. seems to get gets us all excited. You know, I can do better than everyone else in the street, or you know, I can, yeah. I can, I can help other people if I can do that. There's all sorts of bargaining that goes on. So I didn't do it. I travelled and explored it. But then now I notice that the consciousness is rising around me, mm, that I yes. and so people are now eating it, and they're you know they're doing all sorts of things that we've been using yeah. in the medical world for years. But there is there is a message and a language from seaweed, which um, if people stop and look at it, it is incredibly beautiful, and it's like it's like Carl Jung. I always whenever, when I used to run workshops on um, you know on art therapy, Um, I used to start with a slide of a man in a boat and he had a kind of like a pale blue suit on, but he had some goggles on and he had his head down over the side and he's looking under the water. But see, that's synonymous with the unconscious. So when you've got your eyes open, you're looking over looking over the side of a boat and you're looking below the water at the movement and everything, you're looking through into the 90 odd percent that we don't use that is in our unconscious. And we need, we need some of that, gently, yeah. gently, because we are human and we're on this trajectory where we're, and I must find a better word than narcissism because it sounds like an insult. <laughs> um, well, I think it's
2: like anything. Like the problem when we use words like that is there is there is already a a box in which humans take that word and go, that's what it looks like.
0: That's exactly right. And that, and I've often said for some years now we need a new language because we've killed this one in lots of ways. You know? I so
2: agree. I really totally agree with that because the more yeah. I'm communicating with humans, the more I'm realising that just because I say it this way doesn't mean that, that it's received in that way or even that that's yeah. how you're thinking about no. that. And, I, and, and so... But here's the thing. Even when we talk like this, what, what comes up in my brain is that we're so afraid as humans to ask questions. So, like, I ask questions not because I'm wanting or anything from you or I've got an agenda from you. I really, truly don't have it when I'm asking questions. I I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know how you're thinking. I want to know what that means for you and yeah. it's really yeah. difficult because this is not how we function as a human race. Like, we really don't. Like, there has always been, if you ask that question, you're wanting this.
0: Well, people, um, ever since I was young, I don't know if my father was a bit like that, but I remember having a boyfriend on King Island. Mm. Um, yeah, I was probably in my 30s and I remember him coming because he worked down the mine and he wow. was a lovely guy. He said some of the other guys, you know, one of the other guys that perhaps I'd never met, he said, mm. oh, well, in going to her house for dinner, it'll probably be very deep. <laughs> you know, mm. and, and he, he sort of, he said after he'd been three or four times, he said, you know, you're not, you're just so simple. Mm. He, you know, you're so simple in the way you connect with everything. You mm. know, and I, I always like that because I thought, mm. I thought why, aren't more, why don't I find more people there? Mm. I do wonder about our personal devices. I, I find that a lot of people are afraid of going deep, but now I think there's a new fear here, and that is people are not actually heard because I they're totally not to you know express anything more than just the nice. Well,
2: your, your earlier story said that you know, like I I haven't been seen. I you know like, and now I see you, kind of the moment, and I think. One of the things that came out of the lens of using this, which is one of the white papers that I'm writing right now. And that is around the need for a new approach to leadership. And part of what came out of that is definitely this concept of, well, how do we communicate in different ways so that we can be seen or humans have, are able to feel like they're seen and heard at the table. And I think that this is an interesting concept because you see, if we it. if we see people, we may have to see through a different lens and that is just in itself, there's a fear. Hmm. And then if we are gonna use a different lens, we're not used to using that, that lens. So hmm. that might open up conversation that we're not used to and don't know how to navigate, right? And I That's think that right. there's a fear in that in, in our, alone. And then if we had to actually stop and have different people at the table, so I always say have different distinctions at the table, then that's going to open up, but I'm not so used to doing it that way or having that kind of thought or that person thinking that way or even being in the company of. And so because of that, there's another fear that comes to the table. And then we've got a lesson. You mean we stop? We don't talk? But you're not going to hear me if I don't talk first or get it all out and so that is a fear that if I listen to someone else you're not going to hear me and so we've got all these fears that already bring so many things to the table that make it really difficult for us to even think about moving Mm -hmm. forward.
0: I agree with you what sort of while I was listening to you um, one thing that kind of floated through my mind was you know, what do we learn about someone else in silence? I've, I've sometimes thought mm-hmm. I'd like silent retreats here so that you have yeah. a whole weekend where you, you know, maybe Friday night you say hello and have a meal and then you have one and a half days of not talking. Like I have done that a couple of times and it's amazing what you come away with. Like mm. I don't know heard of the Vipassana. Eric but and you-
2: Shelley. I know she's on here. Michelle, you're on here. I reckon Michelle and I should come to that. I'd love to see if we could manage even an hour of it. So have you heard of Vipassana?
0: I've heard of, yes. Yeah. See, so those 10 days of no talking, I, had, I haven't done it, but I had a friend who, who did it and I saw her the week after she came back. And I actually have not, I noticed the reason that that was invented was to help people in business, was that, you know, so that the monkey mind and everything else that we all have, that that whole thing, like you had to, in that 10 days, you learn to sit with your discomfort, whatever it was, whether it was physical or mental or whatever, and to kind of sit through it rather than kind of be moving around
2: to it. My only problem with that is this. I would want a notebook and a pencil. I really would. like, Because I know you're not allowed that. And that's the only piece that I would really struggle with because my brain goes crazy. And the reason I've been able to live with my brain and mean Mm -hmm. that I don't go psycho with everyone else around me is because I've learned ways to get that out of my head before the next idea comes or before the next concept or the, yeah, Michelle's laughing because it's true. Like I, I, could,
0: I seriously, I've always
2: thought, I've always thought I would love to do a 10 day thing. I'd love to do 20 days. I'd love to do like, that sounds so good, but I wouldn't be able to do it without a notebook and a pencil because I need to get it out of my head because I get the best ideas when I sit with myself. I love sitting with myself. I do it frequently. Yeah, well, see, I,
0: I, as an older person, I'd have to say <laughs> I'm pulling rank on you, Kiri-Marie. I'll have yeah, to forgive you can me. do that anytime I love it. As an, older, as an older person who has so many parallels with that, I'd say yeah. that you, Michelle, and I really need that without the notebook and <laughs> we would learn something else. And at the end of it, you would probably be amazed, as most people are. No,
2: I, think- I would have driven you nuts
0: by the end of that. <laughs> No, no, you wouldn't want to, you'd be quiet. (laughs) You'd be very quiet. But I would lay a bet with you that whatever you would have written down, yeah. would have evolved into another layer of consciousness. That's my take
2: home. <laughs> <But> I don't <laughs> like, know if it would because I, I would get so frustrated by myself. I would get so cranky with myself because my fear is I get so many great ideas. I want to remember them because they, are, they come from something and then it evolves and I'm so visual. I mean, and you go back to your art. I mean, one of the reasons is because sometimes we can't say them words but we can draw it or we can experience it with what we put on that you know the the canvas and there is a massive creative side like you said before we came on you go i love that thing behind you with the books and the things this is this is the other side of me who loves being creative and you know design is a huge part of my world
0: yeah i know i see it but i have to like you know because my mind is not unlike yours when I was in the New York studying the mandalas, the mm. Jungian, way. Yes. And we, we stayed in a in a nunnery, which is where she ran the workshop. So, and I mm. stayed an extra few days, and I befriended a nun who they'd actually given a two of these tiny rooms that were bedrooms, and she had some children that used to come in and do art with her. Yeah, and she loaned she was going away for a couple of days. She loaned me these books of a, one of her favorite artists. Who you and I both need, and I've got okay. him here somewhere. His name was Frederick, someone or other, but it's a handwritten book, right? And mm-hmm. they're the most beautiful books, but they are a learning about consciousness because, mm-hmm. um, and from memory, he did, he took a workshop where he took these, these, this group out into nature, yeah. and he asked them to sit and to just observe for mm-hmm. a period of time and then to draw, right? Mm. And so when he went around just to sort of see how they how they got on after a little while, he came to this one woman and there was nothing on her page. Mm. And he said, oh, you haven't drawn because the idea was mm. that sit with what it was you are going to draw until you have all the details and then yeah. you sit and draw. And she said, I don't need to now. Mm. And that was it. I've sat with it. I feel like I've become it. And that goes back to what you said about becoming becoming it. it. That's exactly right. And that, to me, that's the ultimate. So anyway, I probably shouldn't be quite, so you can see well. No,
2: I I find that intriguing, and I think that it creates an awareness within us that maybe Mm. I haven't become Part of that, and I haven't had a willingness to sit in there and do that. Although, I I really love nature. I'm a bit like you, like, and and I love the the smells, the look. It's one of the things that when I'm going for walks, I'm really intentional on not looking at my phone. As you know, there's times when I have to because of something like an emergency or like I'm in a conversation, probably with Michelle who's on here, but. You know, there's there's those moments, but in general, when I don't need to, I put my phone away, except for one thing. I will walk along and I'll see something and I take a photo of it. And I often take a photo because I want to capture that moment that I thought that, felt that, and I'll often go back to that place yeah. when I'm looking at my photos. And it's a visual reminder of where I went when I was on that moment. And I did it a lot when I was traveling across the world because there was there was often days that were tricky. There was days of loneliness because you'd be in, in crazy, random areas. And some days you just wanted to be hanging out with some people who got you and understood you. And I remember thinking in those moments, how can I, and I'm always figuring out, how can I make sure that even though this is not an ideal day of where I'd want to be or what I'll be doing, how can I curate moments? And especially when life was really crazy and I might be going through a few challenges. And one of those things was when I was across the world was taking photos where I would literally, you know, like there was a moment that was created and I wanted to capture it and remember it. I wanted to remember the smells. I wanted to remember the feelings. I wanted to remember the emotions I felt at that moment or what I saw at that moment. And I think, you know, this is a, a kind of an interesting concept because we do things because, and, and it goes back to that intentional or not or conscious or unconscious kind of thing. We do it because often that's what everyone else is doing. We do it because that's how everyone says we'll be happy or feel happy or feel, you know, some sort of emotion. And I think that sometimes we've got to curate those moments, whether it's that moment where there's nothing around us to take that in and get what that is. And like you say, become one with it and, and sort of almost what were your words on that? You said, I'm trying to think exactly your words on that, but, and so we've, we've got to get to that point. Right. Where we do that, and for me, finding that point of this absolute peace within me and feeling a part of it was when I would be able to capture something not just visually, not just in my sounds but also in the way that i feel and yeah. and I don't know like and I wonder, and I wonder if in some ways. If we're thinking of our all our pieces, our phones, all the things that in some ways were distractions, we've actually gone away from being able to feel all of those things and understand that and create an awareness around that.
0: Well, I, I hear you and I, I actually I think that I'm hearing that from people every day. I think people in one way or another, people are actually asking that question, the question you've just asked. Yeah. And I really do. And and maybe that is the core. Maybe we've come around rather nicely to, you know, how do we stop, separate out our mind, our body and our soul? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and Which
2: I think I think that this is this is the thing that has come out of using the lens of humanity as stakeholders, because we have gone as these individual pieces, and in most things, whether it's business, personal, whether it's you know in, in politics, whatever it is, uh, we've looked at one area, and if we go back to that, that's the focus that we've given and a priority we've given. But we have to come back to us as a whole. So how do we now, now we're asking that question, now that we know, we've created an awareness around that,
0: how do we do this? How do we start doing this? Well, I mean, I thought I was trying to think how what we might talk about this morning and I was kind of Mm. thinking, you know, I mean, I've got some clichés which I won't bore you with because you will have heard them many, many times and they're not much use because they don't change and mm. they're not much use you know that that's how life is but and it takes us quite a while to work that out because we get onto those continuums and we feel like we're a fish that's being pulled through the water on a hook and oh. we are to a degree but it's about wow, that's such a visual by the way mm. yes but it's it's about health really isn't it? it it is about health it's about our health and our wholeness and it, it's about the change, making some changes from because the individual feels so disempowered and it's becoming more and more disempowered so mm-hmm. it, it's that we've got to work on is how do we empower individuals to take responsibility for their own health and to be less manic i think and more more kind mm-hmm. at one with which you know i'm trying so to is
2: it so is it no, I love what you're saying. I think the empowerment of an individual, but then we've got to connect that empowerment of an individual as a collective.
0: I think we do, but I think, I don't know what's happened. I think it's a big mess because of COVID. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's because we've gone so far and, like, there have been a few times in history where I've thought, oh, we're going backwards, you know, again, we're mm-hmm. going backwards with some stuff seems to kind of step out and start to progress and then something else happens and that pulls it back but it goes back below the median line. And I think there's some of that happening now and I think honestly believe that what feels like it's all okay is not okay at the moment. I think, you know, that's just how it is because the world has had to change a lot of things. So I don't know, Um, and I I love the work you do, Yuri marie Mm. because not many people have that, you know, can float up and and see because like we've been talking about consciousness, there are layers of consciousness. Yes, I agree. And and we we live with the layer of consciousness which is quantitative pretty much. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's what the politicians use and and anyone who's arguing the case with energy. Let's just
2: say it's an easy thing to do because it's what we relate to in society. The masses relate to that, can connect with that. And I think that this is important because the reason we're doing it that way, it's not saying that it's a good way. I'm just saying the reason we're doing it that way is because as a society, we've gone, okay, we're okay with that as a general thing.
0: Yes, yes. Now, I get that. But how do we, How do we? if the public are asleep in that area correct, and appear to be quite robotic? Correct. How do we wake them up? But how do
2: we And I think this comes back to us educating and creating awareness? But I think that this is and so then the focus comes around to what that awareness is. And as much as we can be awoken as individuals, we need to awaken within as a collective, because the only way I'm going to learn your perspective, your thinking, the things that have become so open, opened in your consciousness is if I am willing to listen to you and then yeah. go, wow, I really love that piece. And from what I'm already doing, I can add, va- that will add value to where I'm thinking and what I'm doing. But we have to be open to having those uncomfortable conversations as a collective. And I think that that's where, it, you know, I used to always go, well, I love the fact that what we're talking about today. And I used to go, well, I can't wait for someone else to open up a platform for us to have conversations like this open in the open in the open public arena because we have to make this uncomfortable kind of conversations where we don't really know what we're talking about, but we're, we do know what we're talking about as individuals and then we're going evolving on this conversation. We need to be willing to do that. And I used to think, oh, great, it'll be awesome. I can't wait for someone to do that. And then the other side of it was, I really can't wait for people to have those uncomfortable conversations because there's a need for it. And I would go, I can't wait for people to have those uncomfortable conversations. And then on the other side of it, I would go, okay, this would be great if we do this as a collective and and join a whole lot of amazing individuals that then have these uncomfortable conversations. And then we find something, even if we disagree with everything else, we find something we can connect on to change that focus, to shift, what is happening across the globe from problem to solution in some form forward. And I go, that'll be great. I can't wait for someone to do that. And then I realized that someone had to start with me.
0: And you doing- if,
2: if it correct. But it's one. not an easy, it's not an easy journey. It's not something that I go, please pick me to be the one that does it. I was waiting for someone else to do it. And I think that we have to get to that point that we are so not happy to be status quo and settle for what is the norm and go this like you just said this is not okay yeah and i don't know that we've got to i think there's some rumblings and there's definitely from the conversations i'm having on the decision table i know there's other awesome humans who are thinking the same thing and i'm going and that is where we're combining and launching with the leaders movement but Here's the thing. I don't know that we are, as a human race, uncomfortable enough at this moment because you have to be uncomfortable enough for change to happen. We see flavours of things starting to erupt. We We really do.
0: The political behaviour covers up a lot of things and kind of glosses over them for people, you know, like stimulus. And our social
2: media filters it, right?
0: It does. It does. That's right. And that's part of the problem. But I don't know. It's not that simple, I don't think. But um,
2: And I, th- but- I think that that's what we've got to come back to is it's not that simple. But until we decide as individuals that we're going to yeah. own a piece of this
0: yeah,
2: and as that's individuals then start connecting and collaborating as a collective, yeah. it is never, ever going to change. But Actually, it's gotta start with some of us as individuals to get rived up enough <laughs> to wanna to see the change.
0: See I think at my my age and my not my age, my stage at mm. the moment, I'm pushing for this seaweed thing is like it's yeah. like that man looking under the water. It's, about, it's a consciousness. Actually, you've helped me today. Thank you. Thank you. Because I had a, a very good, co- a very dear colleague said to me, mm-hmm. you know, see, an archetype of yours. It's quite strong. Yeah. Strong. Um, and I thought, what on earth does that mean? But I think it's a tool or it, it offers me, what is it, little lenses, as you call yeah. them. But I I see them as kind of things with glass that start small and then open out. Beautiful. <laughs> with, under the water and you kind of see and there's a whole language and then someone sent me from mm. king Island. she's a lady that will come to the workshop next year um but she runs the cultural center over there and she's i've only met her once when i was over there but mm. she's in love with seaweed too so i said oh you've got the seaweed impulse but so that kind of part of my tribe but she said oh wendy I oh, there's the kelp harvesters on king island and i found these pe- pieces of bull kelp that have all these like kelp mm. on them and I said oh okay so where did you find those and she told me and I said oh they would come up on hot rock and then the chemicals of the you know the minerals and things like as some parts dry more than others and I said oh yeah. I know what the structure is underneath those so it would run ridges and there's these most beautiful spirals and little craters and, and of course the salts gather the kind of like to paint so it's mm-hmm. the mother nature painting and so she sent me the images on the mobile and i just wrote back to her something quite beautiful i thought about and mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. words are so lovely They, it's about the ancestral you know the oceanic ancestral communication it is a form of communication and it, it's very uh, archetypal and maori like like mm-hmm. she said oh, the Maoris, and I said, it's very Celtic, you know, which Mm. they all are, that. So, yeah, I've forgotten why I told you that. I told you that. It's okay. You know what I love about this
2: is that I think where you can have a voice and really bring change in your and empower you as an individual is through the the seaweed and the, the things that you can take from that seaweed and teach. You know, maybe there's a different way in which we need to communicate and bring the communication of something that we don't know. I don't know much about seaweed. I don't know much about seaweed. It isn't actually I, I remember kelp as a as a nice thing to add to food and it was a healthy thing. But I love the fact that you are you are creating some some curiosity within me of what is the seaweed what is it about it that she's seeing and learning and maybe that's where you would be doing that with humans going maybe we need to develop this curiosity and we need to learn this consciousness from the seaweed side of it right um to then be able to communicate in new and exciting ways going forward and i think well that there's power in that. Yeah. And I think that's just so beautiful, right?
0: Yeah, no, look, you're spot on. And I, I just saw the faces when I was over there. I looked mm. after a grand design's house on the island and <laughs> I said, look, I'll, I'll come and run a workshop on seaweed. And we had 16 mm. people. I only knew about five of them. The rest of them were all illustrious, wonderful people that were doing things wow. that the islands have self-selection. And... um I saw their faces flash, and mm-hmm. you know, I would take them down and do a seaweed mandala on the beach, but they didn't want to leave the room. They were, and I wow, them. Wow, that was amazing! And they're wanting another one of those before I do the workshop over mm-hmm. there next year. So, but the looks on their faces, and I get messages on them sometimes. They they want to include. They want their health and that yeah. health. Do you know what I did? In this grand design house they've got a bath which is up on a sand dune in the, at the end of the house with windows and you know there was a magpie outside and there's wallabies on the sand dune opposite and I had put some kelp out on the deck in a bucket mm-hmm. of water and it formed a gel so the morning that I ran that workshop I filled the bath and I thought I'm going to have a bath this morning so I walked mm-hmm. down the other end of this house and I'd upended the gel into the bath and then then jumped into the warm Mm. water and I sat there and and it was the bath of my lifetime because in this Grand Designs house with the animals outside, the windows open and I just felt so much energy because the Egyptians used to do that, you see. Mm. And apparently it's a cellulose buster, like this. The, because the minerals are in the water, and it's just the gel, so you, you don't, yep. you're not floating around in the seaweed. So I went to this workshop, and I said to them to start the workshop. Can you guess what I've done this morning? And I told them about this bath. Well, quite a few of them have been and been having these baths since then, wow. because another way through the skin to actually some of those minerals come through the skin of too. That's the the ions. So you know when you go into the water, whether it's warm yeah. or. Warm cold you feel so good when you go into the ocean so you've got the ions in your bath as well so (laughs) i
2: love that all right so if anyone wants to connect with you and know more about what you do how do they do that
0: well i have an email address and i have a mobile number and i'm on facebook so if they want to through facebook messenger i'd love to hear from people okay about if they want to want to know anything that would be great so that's wendy nash right yes because you only
2: put wendy up here so okay so that's how they that's how they do it we'll put it in the thing after or michelle could do that because she's on here and she knows the best way to do that michelle that's a hint for you to do it (laughs) if you're still on here if not we will make sure
0: Mary-Marie, I do want to say thank you for this opportunity. I, I've always... We haven't quite um, finished yet. We haven't
2: finished yet. <laughs> so you can tell me that in a second because I do want to ask a question. This is a question. I ask this question to everyone. For some reason my headphone's falling out. Hey, if I put that in, there we go. And I ask this question of everyone at the end of, the, end of this conversation and that is what are you taking from our conversation today?
0: I'm taking... First of all, I've, every conversation that I've ever had with you, I have always been changed by it to some degree, enriched. I feel an expansion and an affirmation, a confirmation that it's all out there. So, in a way, you are—you do expand consciousness. That's that's your role in life, as you're doing that with people. So, I have to say that, and I love that, and I thank you very much I think the world is a better place for your being in it and so what am I taking away from this I'm taking away some thinking I think you've expanded my book a bit too or my my responsibility I think I'm going to visit my responsibility with what I'm doing but I feel more affirmed with that too actually I feel I feel that sometimes I've often I was born. Um, when I was born, I always struggled a little bit when I was younger with how do I see things. Growing up on King Island, how do I see? And of course, I saw the sea. <laughs> and um, yeah. but as I'm getting older, like it's rather lovely getting older because um yeah because you you get braver and you know like, I agree. Courage grows, and and you just know stuff, and you don't, you're not sweating yeah. the small stuff. You just know stuff. So, yes, I see that. I'll mm. keep going because I always have. But and yeah, I've needed rest for a while. But I can feel stirrings of what else can I do? Because I'm that bigger picture. Oh, I'm excited girl. about that. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited.
2: Yeah. I'm excited about the. I, I really, I think for me, what I'm taking from this conversation, I really love the seaweed th- um, concept and the, you know, what I love is that you, you've mentioned your age a couple of times and I go, what I think is so important is that we, we have the wisdom that comes from age and I really long for it. I have always had people in, in my world as mentors that were way older than I am. And it was because there was ways in which you use different lenses and you have had different experiences and learnings from that that maybe I haven't had. And I I love it from both extremes, from the youth to the older generations, and, and I love to learn from it because I think... Michelle says Wendy is very wise. She is. But like she's also you've got access to things that I didn't have access because you've been involved in different things that I have never been involved in. I've, I've never even been to King Island. So for me, okay. that is you're bringing a richness to the, the table in a way that I can oh. I cannot come from. And I think that that is where, in as human race, we are forgetting to engage in that. We are forgetting to to not see that as a threat, because I think we do as a human race, and go, what is it we can learn from? What can we? How do we develop all the things that we've talked about on the table today? How can we be more educated? How can we create an awareness around that? And for me, what you thought, and even just the concept of seaweed, it. it springs up a curiosity within me that goes what could come from seaweed like I've only ever just seen seaweed as seaweed as as this kind of thing that annoys me in the water when I'm trying to swim I have not seen the beauty of it and I think that that's how communication can change because we often see each other and our biases come into play and we we miss the beauty because we can't see beyond the annoyance. And I think that that's what you've brought to my attention today and and reminded me of, I need to keep keep seeing the beauty and everything because I think there's such learning in that, whether it's it's ugly on the outside, in the case of seaweed, for me, it was ugly because it got in my way when I was trying to swim and I've I've not had this nice, happy relationship with seaweed, right? So for me, that would be where I would go immediately when I think of seaweed. But today you've opened up doors of, wow, is there so much more to seaweed than I've ever imagined before? And I think, well, what if we do that in our businesses? What if we do that in our personal life? What if we do that as a whole, as a humanity, what does that open I, us
0: up to to what consciousness would that bring can i add one thing here this, you can add can I, what you I, need. <laughs> there's one thing that i that's coming to mind while you're talking mm. to and i am listening to you is um, that sometimes growing up and spending a lot of time kind of like where it feels like there's not enough stimulation Mm. Then I've had that, and then I've also been very, very busy. Yeah. But I, I think there's a there's something to add to even business. But it's mm. um how to learn how to unsee what you believe. Mm. Because that is this. That's where the bound and the boundaries are good. We all need boundaries, but we need yeah. boundaries made of different material. Mm. So and allow to make shifts because we see what like you know i'll tell you another little experience i had on king island when michelle was still with me on the island i walked over the coast hills by myself undulating Mm -hmm. coastal island and there was this little basin in the middle of one of them there it's always there and as i came up over it, here is a newborn calf still Mm -hmm. not a cow around and I can remember the feeling came into my hands as I went towards it saying, you darling thing. Mm. And I just thinking it's still wet. And it looked at me and its eyes were going like this. And then I noticed movement on the hill and it was the mother. Now did I have to run? And did that calf get up and become alarmed? I was mm-hmm. fine, the cow, the cow didn't run after me but the calf was ready to just be I and mean, then you can bring up things to that. But what I'm saying is the calf learned from the mother to be afraid yeah. and there's a reason for that. There, there there can be good reasons for that but I'm saying <laughs> we, you know, like if you looked at humanity in terms of ages and mm. state You'd probably say that, um, like I remember a guy coming from Russia and he said about the architecture of Australia. He said Australia is a teenage girl. Mm. She tries on all different sorts of clothes because she's still trying to work out who she wants to be, <laughs> you know, and that that's like the stages. And so it's quite mm. relaxing to think, well, where's mankind up to? Yeah. In our development, are we 25 yet, <laughs> you know, or are we 30 yet or are some cultures older? It's quite lovely, some of that. Anyway. I love taking, it. Taking the conversation somewhere else again. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> and that, no, do not be sorry. That is what this is about is for us to go wherever the conversation needs to go. And I think that this is this is a beautiful way in which we can finish the broadcast is, you know, this constant that there is an evolving sort of journey ahead of us and i think that this was what brings hope that although this is our starting point and although there's a lot of it's not okay i think there's a lot of in what we have talked about and what we're talking about if the focus changes if there's a willingness to create a different consciousness maybe there is actually lots of hope for the future for humanity and i think that that is exciting and and for me that is so dear to my heart because i i keep thinking well i want to make sure that i'm leaving behind for the next generation and the generations and the generations to come something that they can springboard off not get you know, not find themselves lost in, or uh, you know, have to to put up with a lot of what is not okay right now. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Is that we have we have realized as we've continued this conversation that there are so many so many possibilities but i think it creates the opportunity for us as humans to go well what are we taking on what is our responsibility and empower ourselves and then do it as a collective and i think that that's the beautiful thing so i want to thank you for being willing to come on the decision table and just have a conversation because literally we are just as if we were sitting beside each other in the same room this is the kind of conversation that we would have and I think that this is where the learning comes from because I get to have these in closed doors but they're not out in the open so much and so what we've done today is bring it out in the open and I'm very, very grateful for your willingness to do that and, and even though there's times where you're still trying to figure out and I love the fact you're still figuring it out. It gives me hope that I can still be figuring it out this end, you know? Like I think yeah. that that's that's so yeah. human. And and we often think you you mm-hmm. don't speak up unless you've got it all right and got it all sorted. And I think that this is part of that you know, new approach is that mm-hmm. we we don't have it all sorted, we don't have it all figured out, we don't necessarily even know how to communicate it necessarily mm-hmm. in the most eloquent way. But that's part of the journey of the evolving and finding what is that new language in which we can do that. So I'm going to end the broadcast, but I want
0: to thank you so much for, for being willing to come on here. Thank you. That You validate so much you do and enrich the world around you. And thank you. I, 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 I'll percolate on this for a while. <laughs> I love that.
2: I'll percolate. All right, I'm going to end the broadcast. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.